Hey everyone, welcome back to Tooth and Claw. On today's episode, we talk about a bunch of different attack stories involving the cassowary, which apparently is a real animal that exists. It's this really cool bird that uh, maybe I guess I'm the only one that didn't know that it was a real thing. And we'll get into it more in the episode. But yeah, this one's a really fun episode. I think you guys are going to like it. Thanks again for listening, and a huge thank you to everyone that left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Last time, we called on you guys to help us out with that after some technical difficulties, and you all more than answered the call. We read and appreciated all of the kind things that you wrote about us, and we wanted to say thank you. So yeah, thank you. Okay, that's enough talking. Let's get to the episode. So I wanted to start this episode a little bit differently than normal. I want to play you guys a clip of an animal making a noise and I want you guys to guess what you think that animal is, okay? Yeah, I'm always down to try new things. All right, <laughs> here we go. Okay, Jeff, what is your guess for that animal? I mean, the crickets make it sound like it's by water, so it kind of sounds like a bullfrog. Bullfrog? Sure. Yeah, it sounded like a big cat grunting to me or something. So that's what I would have thought. I would have thought a lion that's like kind of casually bellowing. It's actually a cassowary. Oh, cool. What? Yeah. So Uh, what's a cassowary? A cassowary. (laughs) Yeah. Birds. So that's actually what we're going to talk about today in a minute. But what I want everyone out there to do, if you don't know what a cassowary is, Look it up. It's spelled C-A-S-S-O-W-A-R-Y. Mike, I'm going to show you a photo just so you are aware of what a cassowary looks like. It looks like a really exotic emu or or something. Not exotic dinosaur. dinosaur. Sure. We'll explain them a little bit better. I actually like that Jeff picked bullfrog because cassowaries live in Australia. And when I was doing this episode, when I was researching it, I was thinking a lot about the Simpsons episode where they go to Australia uh-huh. and how like kind of offensive that episode is, first of all, because they just make fun of Australians like nonstop. Yeah. But there's this part in it where Bart brings a bullfrog and he lets it go and they multiply and kind of take over. And there's a part where they're in the store and the shopkeep is like sweeping all these bullfrogs out of the store. And Bart has one, or no, Bart doesn't have it. I think um, Marge or Lisa or someone has one. And one of the guys in the shop in like an Australian accent's like, oh, what do you call that? And she's like, we have them in America. They're called bullfrogs. What? That's an old name. Ought to call them (laughs) chaswazers. Which is really dumb. Mike, I'll just have you play the clip probably because it's really funny and it's this squeaky teenage voice. Yeah, it's one of my favorite episodes. I wonder, we'll pull our Australian audience to see if they like it. I think when it came out, a lot of Australians were pretty upset about it. Really? And I know they had a Brazil episode too that really pissed Brazilians off, but... Yeah, just because they made it seem like everyone that lives in Australia just like lives out in the outback and is like kind of like crocodile Dundee. That's like how they talk about Montanans. Totally. But it was a little bit more like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So Wes, I have a question for you before we get into cassowaries. Okay. So I read this on the internet today and I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You like love your girlfriend's dog, Bryce, right? I do. Jessie's. Yeah. She's pretty much my dog now too. Yeah. Bryce. Let's say that Bryce one day was barking uh-huh. and then looked you in the eyes and in perfect English said, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to wait until it's the perfect time and then started barking again. Yeah. What would you do? 
I would I wouldn't want to be around Bryce anymore. <laughs> but how would you explain that to like Jesse? Uh, I don't know, but that might end up being like the end of our relationship. <laughs> might be, and that well, would for sure. I just feel like I would be. She would probably no one never, would believe you. She would never believe me. Yeah. I would probably want to go like see a mental health professional and make sure that I'm not. You like, would probably a convince yourself that was just me being crazy. I probably would, yeah. but if but if I happened. knew that it happened and I felt 100 percent confident that I didn't have a mental break, yeah, I don't think I could be around Bryce. Yeah, and Jesse wouldn't believe me. That's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is it? I thought it was a funny question. Yeah. Oh, it was just a question. Yeah. Okay. Well. uh Back to, I guess, regular scheduling then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a great question, though. I'm yeah, going to think about that. kind of funny. Anyway, so yeah, we're going to talk about cassowaries. I've always been obsessed with Australia. We've done a couple Australian animals now. We did the funnel web and now cassowaries. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to pretend to talk in an Australian accent. And it was a thing that mom and dad would make me do for their friends and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'd go to school and I would count in, I'd go one, two, thry and i just thought i was like i thought i had nailed it and it was a terrible australian accent i'm still really bad at accents but i thought i was really good at it mike have you ever been to australia never do you want me to go and just report back i think we should go see the great barrier reef before it's gone sure you guys got anything else you want to say before we get started on cassowaries that is my only question for you yes talk question uh yeah it was a good question mike what would you do in that situation I yeah, would, just like a family dog that says that to you. So wait, you said Jesse doesn't listen. We're gonna say we're gonna say it's your no. Jesse does listen. Oh, we're gonna say okay, it's well your. Then my answer changes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna say it's like your family dog though, right? And it does that to you, uh-huh. and it's your beloved dog. Yeah. What are you doing? I was thinking about maybe like putting it outside, but I think getting any closer than I already would have been is a bad idea. So yeah, I'm probably it, leaving. It's not an immediate thing either. It said it's going to be a long time before it does it. I mean, how much, how long, you know, dog years. years are one year for us is I seven years for them. I just assume it's bluffing. I also don't know how Bryce would kill me. So I guess with that, with that interesting question, thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into our episode. This is going to be kind of a different episode. First of all, because a lot of people probably don't know really what a cassowary is, I'm going to run through some of the biology first rather than in the middle or at the end. Smart. And then there's a couple stories that had a little bit more detail. And then I found a paper, I actually found a couple papers that were really helpful. They're both scientific papers. Both of them by Christopher Coffrin. One was in 1999 that outlined just a, a basic rundown of cassowary attacks. And then one's 2003 that actually had case histories of each of those attacks. And that was my main source of information for this episode. But I wanted I want to tell a couple of those stories and then I just want to read the case histories for some of the other ones because they're all listed in a very matter-of-fact way, but they're pretty interesting and a couple of them are pretty funny. Okay. So anyway, I, Jeff, you brought up that they look a lot like a dinosaur. Yeah. So I also thought about Jurassic Park a lot while I was doing this episode. Yeah. And especially because cassowary, uh, one detail we're going to get into is they have one claw on their foot that's like four or five inches long. And they use that claw to slash open. Velociraptor. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a velociraptor. And when Dr. Grant says the thing to the kid where he's like, and they use it to slash at you here and here. I kept thinking of that when I was doing the cassowary research. And if 
you're having like a hard time picturing a cassowary still. Just like picture a big bird and then just double whatever you're picturing right now <laughs> in size and yeah. give it like a pterodactyl head or something. They pretty much, to me, they look like, if you've ever seen a guinea fowl, they look like a guinea fowl that's just 20 times bigger than your typical guinea fowl. Or they look like a turkey that yeah, a turkey and a an turkey emu face. like cross. Yeah, they look like an emu with the turkey's waddle. And that's anyway. a good. That's a good one. They've but got just a look cool, it up. Half cool emu, half turkey, and they have a helmet. mohawk. Thing. They got a helmet. Yeah, yeah, helmet mohawk, uh, which is called a cask, which we're going to talk about a bit. So the name cassowary probably comes from a, a Papuan origin, so like uh, Papua New Guinea, and casu means horned and wary means head. So it's referring to the fact that they have like a helmeted head. Hmm. Um, and then people in New Guinea believe that some of the indigenous people there believe that cassowaries are reincarnations of female ancestors, while others believe that the cassowary was the first mother. And that's interesting because they do, they're a very um, female dominated animal where the females are more brightly colored, they're bigger, they are polyandrous, which means the female will breed with multiple males rather than the other way around. It's just really interesting because it's backwards from yeah, a lot most of birds. All yeah, birds, the males are more colorful. Yeah, exactly, and especially in birds. So it's it's pretty interesting. And then also another cool thing about that is that the female they'll mate. The female lays the egg and then she takes off, and the male actually incubates the egg for like fifty days, hardly eats or drinks during that time, and then raises the chicks for like nine months before this. Yeah, so it's pretty opposite of what you typically would expect, especially from birds. So they're the second heaviest bird in the world. They're the third tallest. The heaviest is the ostrich. Mm. Tallest is ostrich. Second tallest is emu. But they are heavier than emus. Wow. Um, there's a few species of cassowary, but the largest is, and the one that we're mostly talking about, is the southern cassowary. Females can get up to six feet tall and weigh 167 pounds. So pretty big. I mean, yeah. they're a big bird. They're the largest native vertebrate in Australian forests. So that's something that we've... Mikey look confused. Yeah, no, I'm not confused, just kind of shocked. Thinking that I wouldn't have thought, I mean, I didn't know cassowaries existed really before today, but I wouldn't have guessed that even had I known. And they, when they they say, and they made the clarification when I read that in forests, I think they mean like terrestrial vertebrate because saltwater crocodiles get a lot bigger. Um, Okay. But I think they're talking about outside of the water, they mean, you know. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and then Australia, it's interesting because when you think about Australia, you think there's all these different dangerous animals, but they're mostly things that are pretty small, you know, aside from saltwater crocodiles, it's mostly snakes and spiders and and stuff like that. They don't have really like any big cats or anything. No, no big cats, no wolves or bears or anything like that. They have dingoes, which are, they have koala bears. Yeah. Those aren't bears. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get one of those in every episode. All right, so they're covered in dense black feathers that are essentially almost just a quill. They only have a couple actual strands of feather on them. And they're, they have really tiny wings that actually do have quills on them. And those wings look, those quills look like they're porcupine quills, but they're barbless. Um, Jeez. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then their skin colors on their face and neck are really uh, bright and beautiful, like you guys saw. They can vary a lot by species and location, but typically very blue with bright red wattles. The wattles are like what you see on a turkey, the little hanging flaps of skin. In our yeah. March Madness tournament, yeah. you had cassowary as your 
I like winner of the air yeah. section. Right? I like cassowaries. So they don't fly though. I want to make another callback to that because yeah. you got mad about penguins not being able to fly, and then you chose cassowaries. Can cassowaries fly? They can't. And then so what I, are we doing here, Wes? I, know. I actually that was a mistake on my part. Thanks for calling me out, Mike. <laughs> That's what I'm here Someone's for. Someone's got to keep me honest. I'm, All right. So they ha- they have three toed feet. Uh, one toe, as I mentioned, has a claw on it that can grow up to five inches long. And with really powerful kicks, they use those claws to disembowel potential predators. Jeez. Yeah, so they're they're pretty powerful, and they have a pretty good defense. They're one of the closest living relatives to dinosaurs. And they can't fly. Like, what's their flight like? They don't fly. To, they don't fly at all. So they can't go in they're trees. They're flightless. No. Okay. They swim really well. They run up to thirty miles per hour, and they can jump seven oh, wow. feet in the air. But they don't fly. Mm. They just have wings. They're like ostriches, yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And emus. So they're mostly frugivorous. Do you guys know what a frugivorous animal is? I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's... Think about like carnivorous or... Mm. It's in that realm. I'm trying to put this together here. So just, just give me a sec. Fungus? Mostly fruit. Okay. Oh. So <laughs> It was right there. Yeah, yeah you're right yeah. there. But they don't, they don't chew anything. They just swallow it whole. And they're actually, this is really one of the cooler facts, I think, of any animal that we've done so far. They're really important propagators for fruit trees in the forest. But a really interesting thing is that some of the seeds they eat will only sprout after they've been passed through a cassowary's digestive system. Really? And only a cassowary. That's what kind of fruit? That's really cool. There's a fruit that's actually named after them. I can't remember what it's called. Mm. Cassowary, probably? Yeah, it's probably cassowary fruit. You said that kind of quick, but that's... I just want to point out that's crazy. They don't chew their food. They yeah, just they just, it's like fruit. crocodiles and alligators. They just swallow. Yeah, um, a lot of birds are that way. I mean, birds don't really have teeth to chew usually, mm. so that most of them just swallow. I guess um, that's true, huh? Yeah, it's just these ones can eat like an orange. Yeah, exactly. But the coolest thing to me is that fact <laughs> that a bunch of these fruits have co-evolved with them. To where the only way they can propagate is by going cassowary. through a cassowary first. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. A couple other things. Their diet also will include, it's mostly fruit, but they can also eat flowers, uh, fung- fungi, which you brought up. Yeah. Uh, snails, insects, frogs, birds, fish, rats, mice, and carrion. But those are kind of just, when they find them, they'll eat them, but they're mostly looking for fruit. Hmm. That's kind of like me. Yeah, I just like whatever you find, but fruits like yeah, that's the thing my you go-to. want the most. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. but really, if you see a dead animal on the like, side of the road, you'll take a few yeah. chomps out of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have a large cask on their head. That's the helmet-looking thing. It's covered with keratin, so the same stuff your fingernails are made out of, the same stuff rhino horns made out of, and pangolin scales. Mm. And they don't really know why they have that helmet. They they think it could reveal their age or their dominance or a shock absorber when they're fighting, or a weapon while they're fighting, or they maybe think it helps them push through the, the underbrush in the forest when they're running. And then some people think it helps them make that really deep call that we listened to at the beginning of the episode. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So that call is the, low, the lowest noise of any bird in the world. And then it's also right at the edge of human hearing. So when you hear it, it's that's about as low as our ears can hear before it you don't hear it anymore. Interesting. Yeah. They're very shy Is birds. Is anything that makes a noise so low we can't hear it? Uh, Yeah, but I don't know if they're animals. Okay. Yeah. How would we know if we can't yeah, hear it? that's a good point. <laughs> you measure it with equipment or something. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like that. Open. 
Like, <laughs> you see it. Yeah. You see it. Now I see what Jeff, make the lowest noise you can make. Okay, this is my lowest voice I can do. <laughs> I can't even hear that. That's, That's it. <laughs> That's as low as you can. Anyway, uh, they're pretty shy birds. Not much is known about their behavior and natural history. Um, okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about cassowary penises. Okay. And not because I necessarily wanted to. Is this going to make my top five list? It, Just to keep the listeners. They're okay. super weird. Keep the listeners um, happy. Just so you guys know, we're going to go through some reproduction kind of talk on this. And if you have kids that you don't, they're not ready to hear that kind of stuff yet. We'll keep it. We always keep well, it pretty professional. I'm going to read a whole thing that's about them. And it's, it's got a lot of words that your kids might not have heard yet. You may not know this, but 97% of birds don't have a penis. They just use their cloaca and the male cloaca will put sperm into the female's cloaca. But unlike most birds, I'm going to read an excerpt now from a book. It's called Biological Exuberance, Animal Homosexuality and Natural Diversity by Bruce Bagger Meehy. And I'm just going to read it because I had a hard time wrapping my head around this. And maybe you guys will understand. Maybe you won't. Mike, you okay listening to all this? Yeah, okay? I mean, I read that book once a year, okay. so I'll help you guys out. <laughs> All right. Unlike most other birds, the cassowary male does possess a penis. However, this organ does not transport semen internally as it does in mammals. The cassowary's phallus is described by scientists as being invaginated. That is, it has a tubular cavity that opens at the tip of the penis, but is not connected internally to the male reproductive organs. This vagina-like cavity is in fact used to retract the phallus by turning it inside out, causing the non-erect penis to resemble the finger of a glove that has been pushed inward. Consequently, although the male cassowary inserts his erect penis into the female during mating, he ejaculates semen through his cloaca, an orifice at the base of the penis, so they, they use the cloaca like most birds do, but it still has this penis that turns inside out and kind of looks like a vagina. Can you explain how that's different in humans? Uh, no, but I'm going to keep going. And then, <laughs> Females also mate, lay eggs, defecate, and urinate all through the same orifice, the cloaca. But the cloaca is exceptionally large in this species, being capable of passing eggs weighing up to one and a half pounds. Most amazingly, all female cassowaries also possess a phallus, which is essentially identical to the males in structure, but smaller. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah. It's very interesting. There's more in there, but I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, I'm still a little confused. Yeah. Do the females need the males no. to have an egg? No. Well, they need the male, but they don't need the male's penis. They just need his cloaca. Oh, okay. Hmm. So it's interesting. They're a very like androgynous creature from what I've learned. There's not a big distinction sexually between males and females. Yeah, it seems like that. Yeah. Anyway, they are considered the world's most dangerous bird, and they're sometimes referred to as murder birds or danger birds. Mm. Um, in a 1958 book, Living Birds of the World, ornithologist Ernest Thomas Gilliard wrote, the inner second of the three toes is fitted with a long, straight, murderous nail, which can sever an arm or eviscerate an abdomen with ease. There are many records of natives being killed by this bird. I couldn't find any of those records, but that's what this guy states. So okay. who knows? Danger Bird sounds like a movie that I would discover on Shudder at 2 a.m. Yeah. And be like, okay, this is what we're doing tonight. Yeah, I'd watch Danger Bird. Yeah. <laughs> or like an inside joke on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah, like a long-running meme that had been run into the ground yeah. about Danger, 10 years ago. Danger Bird's a good nickname for him, though, or Murder Birds. That's <laughs> great. Um, Murder Hornets. Yeah. Just Which really, of that. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> good job, Jeff. <laughs> You're 
Uh, Creativity knows no bounds. So that paper that I mentioned by Coffrin in 1999, he studied 221 cassowary attacks on both domestic animals and humans. And he showed that 150 had attacked humans. 75% of those had been from cassowaries that had been fed. 71% the bird had chased or charged the victim. 15% of the time they kicked. And of those attacks, 73 involved the birds expecting or snatching food. 5% involved defending their natural food sources. 15% involved defending themselves from attack. And 7% involved defending chicks or eggs. And of all those 150 attacks that he investigated, only one death happened. And now, finally, after all that biology, we're going to talk about that death. Okay. So... Philip McLean and Granville McLean were two boys living a pretty idyllic life, in my opinion, on a large ranch in tropical northeast Australia in 1926. So Philip is 16 and Granville was 13. Have you guys ever met anyone named Granville? No. (laughs) Yeah, I had a hard time realizing that. Seems like a last name. They spent a lot of their time exploring the areas around the ranch and helping their parents with cattle and other typical ranch tours. But they were like in a really beautiful tropical part of Australia. Like most Australians, they were aware that there's crocodiles, there's snakes, there's spiders, there's all sorts of things they need to look out for. But on April 6, 1926, they had a run-in with an animal that is pretty unexpected. Crikey. Yeah. <laughs> so the boys were outside when they, saw, when they saw a large black bird with a bright blue head near the forest, a cassowary. They decided they would chase the huge bird, and they tried to beat it to death with sticks. So already... It's a bad move. Yeah, it's yeah. not a great move. They are younger kids, but still, you know, you shouldn't be beating anything to death with sticks. And they had two dogs that joined them in their chase. So the bird didn't really run like they expected. And when the boys got close enough, it actually jumped up in the air and kicked Granville, uh, the younger boy, and one of the dogs. So Granville stumbles away and Philip, the older boy who's 16, and the other dog decided to press on and continue their attack. So the cassowary at this point just decided it had enough. And it charged at 16-year-old Philip. And he, at that point, tried to run away, but he fell backwards and fell down. So his face was facing upward. And the Casper jumped up on top of him, and it used that five-inch claw to slit his throat open. Oh, my gosh. So Philip got up to run away, but then collapsed again from loss of blood and died out there in the field. It brave-hearted him. Yeah. that Honestly, when I think of a slit throat, that's the movie I think of. (laughs) Uh, Just back-to-back slit throats. yeah. But it's so that's the only recorded human fatality by a wild cassowary. Wild is the important distinguishing word there because our second fatality actually happens happened somewhat recently. It was in April 2019, and Martin uh, Hajos. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct or not. It's H A J O S. He was a guy that lived in Florida, and he was feeding a cassowary that he kept as part of a farm near Gainesville. And details are pretty unclear what happened, but somehow he ended up on his back on the ground, and the cassowary repeatedly jumped on him and kicked him. So he called 911, and on the phone he pleaded for an ambulance because he knew he was in quite a bit of trouble. And he actually died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital because the cassowary had opened up his brachial artery, which is one of your main arteries in your arm. And then he had more than a dozen lacerations across his face, neck, back, abdomen, thighs, leg, and right arm. So he's the only other recorded fatality of a human from a cassowary. Okay. So now we're going to get into a few other stories that I think are pretty interesting 
And these are the case histories in that paper that I had talked so about. So do they use the quills at all to get they people? Don't. I don't really know why they have the quills. I think it's just feathers that didn't, because they're flightless, they just have the main part of the feather and not the, I, I'm, I don't know the, um, the scientific word for yeah. the actual parts of the feather. Okay. But yeah, I probably should know that. All right. So our first one, the title of this case history is Women, Women Kicked on Mount Whitfield Track, Wound and Buttock. 1988. So they reported that a woman was attacked by a cassowary at Mount Whitfield and the wound, the wound in her buttock required stitches. Although one article claimed the wound, the woman was bitten by the cassowary. It is likely that she was kicked. They can bite. What? They can bite. Yeah, but they don't have like teeth or anything. It wouldn't really hurt. Yeah. Okay. The next one is man. It kicked at Juladin puncture wound in chest. 1990. So Barry and Jenny Tuit walked along a road in Julatin, bound by rainforest, orchards, paddocks, and houses. They didn't notice the cassowary at the rainforest edge until only several meters distance from it. They walked away, but the bird followed for about 50 meters. Suddenly, the cassowary charged, leapt, and kicked the man in the chest with a puncture wound about 12 centimeters deep, oh, man. knocking him to the ground. As he lay unconscious in a drain... The cassowary attempted to kick him again. The woman shouted. The cassowary advanced towards her, and she ran up an embankment. The injured man regained consciousness and also climbed the embankment. The woman ran to a nearby farmhouse for help with assistance, arriving as the cassowary again was confronting the injured man. The bird moved only a short distance as he was assisted into a motor vehicle, and when the cassowary approached again, a farmer shot and killed it. So that's kind of an interesting one. The next one, man kicked at Cape Tribulation, lacerations in forearm, chest, and scrotum. So Bodo Wintergeist, which sounds like the most <laughs> hobbit name of any name that we've used <laughs> yeah. so far, walked out of his caravan. This, this to me, is the most unfortunate one out of all the ones, aside from the people who died, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the scrotums involved. Yeah. So. <laughs> but he walked out of his caravan at Bailey's Creek. He was camping to toilet in the rainforest. This is an Australian author, so toilet in the rainforest means like take a shit we in the rainforest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he claims that a cassowary kicked him while squatting, lacerating <laughs> oh, no. his forearm. What? I shouldn't have interrupted you, but I know we don't assign words like jerk to animals, yeah, but like cassowaries just seem like ornery animals yeah. at this point. Wait till you hear some of the rest of them, but that's okay. as I read these, that's why I wanted to read each of these because as you read them, you're just like, man, cassowaries are kind of dicks. <laughs> uh, so it, it kicked him while squatting, lacerating his forearm, chest, and groin. The linear cuts required nine stitches, right forearm two, upper right chest three, left side of scrotum four. Do you think uh, it knew what he was about to do and it waited until, until he like, like squatted he was down? Most yeah. vulnerable. Like smiled before yeah. it kicked him. Seems well, like an interesting would. thing about these attacks too is a lot of them say, oh, that it was being chased by dogs or it was being fed. But a few of them, including this one, just says uh, the attack cannot be explained. They just don't know why. <laughs> I just think they're very <laughs> unsolved animals. mysteries. Yeah. Okay. Woman kicked on Mount Whitfield track, which we've seen Mount Whitfield before. Puncture wound in thigh, lacerations in forehead. On March 1996, Jill Turner was walking the Blue Arrow track at Mount Whitfield when a cassowary approached her from behind. The woman continued walking and the bird followed. Eventually, she stepped off the track to allow the cassowary to pass, but it stopped at one meter distance. The cassowary briefly looked at the woman and then kicked Miss Turner in the thigh, knocking her to the ground. Which again is pretty interesting that it just stopped and looked at her for a second and then kicked her. <laughs> and she just yeah. like didn't move and yeah. was like, whatever. The cassowary quickly kicked her again in the forehead and twice in the back. 
The cassowary sat down next to her, two meters distance, for 10 minutes, then got up, walked four meters, and sat down for 30 minutes, then got up and walked away down the track. The woman received puncture wounds in her thigh and lacerations in her forehead that required two and nine stitches. Cassowaries seem like the guy at the bar who just wants to fight. Right. And he was like, sit down to next to someone who hasn't said anything and just be like, what'd you just say to me? Yeah. <laughs> or like a bully in high school that yeah. just punches you in the stomach Push for no you reason. in the locker. Yeah. So here's another one. On 2nd November 1996, James Berry saw two dogs attacking a cassowary on the residential lot adjacent to his, one biting the bird's neck and the other its leg. As he pulled one dog away, the cassowary kicked Mr. Barry in the shin, causing a simple <laughs> fracture of his lower leg. Oh my gosh. Jeez. The cassowary was obviously acting in self-defense, not realizing that Mr. Barry was attempting to help it. The bird had a history of being fed by people. Okay. I like, I like the shin kick move. Yeah. It just seems like comedic until I learned that it actually broke his leg, but it's kind of a funny move for a bird. Yeah. In one incident in 1986 at Mission Beach, a tourist was viewing a cassowary. The bird approached the person to within one meter, apparently expecting to be fed. Instead of offering food, the tourist squatted down to f- photograph the cassowary. Suddenly, the bird kicked the person in the stomach, knocking him to the ground. <laughs> Here's a good one. That's why you always want to have extra food for yeah. animals. Yeah. <laughs> just no, you don't want to feed these animals. I like how I always just say, yeah. You agree. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. You really heard Yeah, it. exactly. In November 1991, a friend was visiting Joseph Collins at his residence on Mount Whitfield. Uh, Apparently, stay away from Mount Whitfield if you don't want to be attacked by a cassowary. The fig tree in his yard was frequented by a cassowary, and the bird was feeding during the visit. The two men viewed the cassowary at close quarters, picked up figs, and fed it by hand. The visitor moved backwards to photograph the bird, lost balance, and fell to the ground. The cassowary quickly jumped onto the prone man's back and then jumped up and down on him about 10 times. This action of the cassowary appears to have been in defense of his feeding area. Um, Yeah, just like jumped on him like a trampoline. It's a good wrestling move. It is. Uh, On October 29th, 1995, three hikers on the Blue Arrow track. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, you jumped on like WWE. Yeah, Yeah, just someone using someone like a trampoline. I bet you could get the three count after doing 10 jumps (laughs) on someone's back. So here's three more hikers at Mount Whitfield, 1995. They encountered a cassowary printing itself. The hikers went off the trail, intending to circumvent the bird, but upon their emerging back onto the track... The cassowary was waiting for them only two meters away. (laughs) The cassowary lowered its head, charged, and butted Clive Scarrot in the back. While falling, (laughs) no, this is great. While falling, he grabbed a narrow tree trunk, the momentum spinning him around the tree, and then back again to face the cassowary. (laughs) The man quickly retrieved an apple from his pocket and offered it to the cassowary, which the bird ate from his hand. The man offered a second apple, which again was eaten. third apple was offered but then rolled down the slope, which the cassowary pursued. (laughs) Also, how many apples does this dude have in his pockets? I like that this cassowary was really aggressive and ready to fight, but was still more than willing to eat his food. It like waited for him. We'll take a break for a bit. Yeah, waited for him. And then I love how he like swung around a tree and then (laughs) was facing it again. That's like the worst case scenario though, because now it has positive reinforcement for just kicking someone. Hey, if I kick this thing, apples come out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right, one more human one, and then we're doing one animal one. Uh, Boy pecked on testicles, Mount Whitfield, 1995. In another incident in October 1995, the son of Ann Keating went outside to play. 
A cassowary was feeding at a fig tree in their garden, which the bird frequented regularly. The little boy, age four, climbed onto a fence post about one and a fourth meter height, and the cassowary walked to him. The cassowary pecked the boy, striking him on the testicles. Both of them? Oof. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It doesn't really hurt as bad when you're four years old, though. That's true. Good point. Is that why you're always kicking four-year-olds in the testicles? Yeah, they don't <laughs> care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, our last one is especially for Mike. Uh, All right. Here's the title. Horse Kicked at South Mission Beach. Yeah. <laughs> Rangers, well, Rangers Brent Vincent and Carl Siener conducted a situation assessment of a racehorse that had been kicked by a cassowary. This particular cassowary was being fed fruit, pineapples, bananas, and apples on the adjacent farm as part of the wildlife rescue effort following a cyclone. When the horse was feeding at its own trough, a cassowary kicked the horse twice in its ribs and buttock. The horse suffered a deep laceration about 18 centimeters long in the upper thigh that required stitches. No death? No death. Okay, good. I was I got a little It'd be excited. Pretty sad I didn't want to like, be excited about a, a horse death. Mike has a few people in his corner against horses. Yeah, the horse debates become almost every episode yeah. we're bringing up horses. He's he's in the minority for sure, but he's got a few. This is supporters. all this is all build up for when we have Jesse on the podcast <laughs> yeah. to debate you on our horse episode. Okay, so that's it for our case studies. I thought they're pretty interesting just because they really do just make cassowaries seem like bullies. Yeah. And I read all these papers where ornithologists were saying, oh, they're shy and they're, they're not a danger to humans, actually. And I'm like, eh. seems like if you have 150 accounts of attacks that it's an animal that, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's reasons for most of them. It seems like they fed them in most of these instances. But I would be very careful approaching a cassowary. Would I you wouldn't think approach they're just like tripping into people? And <laughs> I don't like them. Yeah. pecking them in their <laughs> yeah. groin. So would you maybe, maybe I'm totally off base, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like maybe it's a great white kind of be great white shark. Like we talked about how they're just kind of kicking and pecking because they're a little curious. No. And they don't really know the damage that they're No, this, is, aggr- this is aggression. Okay. Yeah. I think the fact that they're a bird that a lot of animals would probably like to eat. Um, And the fact that they can't fly away, you know, this is just their defense mechanism. I think if you, if, if there were a lot of other birds that couldn't fly, you would see them using strategies like this too, where they're pecking and kicking and doing everything they can to stop you from, from attacking them. What what are the animals in Australia that could eat a cassowary? So like crocodiles, a crocodile. Koalas. The, the main problem they have right now <laughs> are like dingoes and uh-huh. then uh, dogs, like people's just oh, dogs. Australian wild dogs, right? Well, dingoes. Yeah, dingoes or are- no, those are African wild dogs. D- yeah, dingoes are essentially just like feral dogs that have turned into okay. their own species. Yeah. But people's dogs kill a lot of them. And then the, Australia has a big feral pig problem too. Mm-hmm. And feral pigs will kill and eat cassowaries as well. Okay. Oh, wow. But as far as like historically, I don't know what predators they had um, aside from crocodiles and probably big snakes. Mm-hmm. And koalas. And not koalas. No. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's it for our case studies and our stories. We're introducing a new like ranking system for our stories uh, we're going to do a scale of ouches from one to 10. You guys are going to rank uh, what you see a cassowary attack as being on the pain scale. So there's. So I'm going to choose the one I thought sounded most painful and right. then give you it. I'm going to yeah. say the guy pooping. Okay. That got Getting hit a in scrotum. the yeah. testicle and like a stomach. Yeah, and that's stuff. pretty bad. 
Because it's embarrassing a little too. But like compared to our other stories, yeah, none of these felt like they hurt as much. It wasn't like tearing out so like, for hours. On the tooth and claw podcast level, I'm going like a moderate ranking for how many ouches out of ten? Like on our level, probably like three. Okay, that's what I was. I was actually gonna say three ouchies. It's kind ouchies, of sorry. Yeah, like ouchies <laughs> is the, <laughs> the correct term. I kind of it's a tough one because we have a really big range of stories for this episode. This probably wasn't the best episode to introduce. Pick this. your most painful one. For me, it's the second guy that died. Yeah, the guy that died because he got his his artery ripped open and then a ton of different lacerations. Yeah, and I would give it like, well, he died, so it's probably supposed to be ten ouchies. Now I'm trying to say ouchies too, <laughs> but I think there's probably a, we've had people that have died that have died much more horrifically because he bled out. Yeah. So I'd probably say like seven. Yeah. Okay. Death, no, that's a good death call. is the ultimate ouch. But like, I would still put the dude who like survived the hippo attack. I feel like that would hurt more than yeah. the dude who died from this. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, I mean, it's terrible that that guy died. I just, I, as I was reading it. He seemed like a pretty interesting guy. He kept a lot of different animals. And because he was breeding those cassowaries, I think, they were considered domestic animals, so he didn't need a permit. But um, just like a tragic, tragic accident. Yeah. All right. So that's our new scale. We're going to try and keep that going. And now we're going to launch into our categories. Okay. So our first category that we're going to do, there aren't many cassowaries that we know of in pop culture. So we're just picking our favorite bird from pop culture yeah or a bird that you really like just it doesn't any, have to be a favorite we're just gonna shout out a bird i'm Jeff, gonna do the lollipop bird what's it it's like how many licks does owl? it take yeah okay. how many licks does it take to get to the center of a that was out of left field tootsie pop that is not tootsie pop <laughs> owl i think it's interesting that's one of your favorites when you could even remember the brand yeah so or i'm gonna bird. i'm gonna call you out on this real <laughs> yeah. quick just for a sec <laughs> But I mean, I whatever. I like the owl. The okay. bird. And I like the suckers. You know, Mike, the lollipop bird. <laughs> <laughs> I would never in a million years its have name arrived is at Tootsie the owl. owl. That's his name? I'm 90% sure. Okay. All right. I mean, you would know it's your favorite bird. I'm not saying favorite. <laughs> We're just shouting out a bird that we like. Oh, just okay. any bird, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. Shout out a bird you like, Mike. That's what uh, you said. I know. I know. <laughs> I like the giant eagle in Rescuers Down Under. Okay. You picked mine. Did I? Yeah. Cool. Wow. We're on uh, that. But I'm going to pick a different that's one. That's why you got to pick a weird a... one like me. Yeah, the lollipop bird. <laughs> <You weren't... Yeah. laughs> I uh, took your first choice yeah. and Mike took your second. <laughs> I'll say, um, I'll say, you know, I'll just say Hedwig from Harry Potter. Ooh, yeah. Two owls. But okay. I will say in, in those books and movies, that was the death that I probably... That's a hard death. Sorry, if you guys haven't seen Harry Potter, sorry for the spoiler. My backup was an owl too. Woodsy owl. Smokey's helper. Yeah, Smokey's little Mm. bud. Yeah. You think he's resentful that Smokey's hogged the spotlight this whole time? I mean, owls are too cool. They're like, hold a grudge. All right. So our next category is going to be the Animal Olympics. And we're going to pick what Olympic event in our Animal Olympics the cassowary would be best at. And mm. I'm going to make a case for karate. Is that an Olympic sport? Sure. It okay. is in our yeah. Olympics. It's good at kicking. Yeah. Okay. Kickboxing or karate? You, yeah. You think it could like kick through a board? Uh, pro- Probably. Yeah. I was going to go with maybe, you said it could jump seven feet in the air. Yeah. That's actually not. As, That's not that great compared yeah. to like a mountain lion or something. But like yeah. the hurdles. Yeah. It might be good at hurdles. True. What's that? What's the tournament in Bloodsport called? 
where they sing the They're song. Chanted. They yeah. chant the. It's like um, Kamate. 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 Be good. Be good at Kamate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're saying karate or maybe hurdles. Okay, so we're going to do our cage match. We're going to put this this bird at its max weighs 167 pounds. So let's put it in the 1 to 200 pound range. Okay. To the what black bears. Yeah, but our we're like doing the we're doing the bear. max weight for a cassowary, so we should do the max weight for a black bear. So no, I don't let's think like put a... the other animals in its weight class. Okay. So it could be a black bear. So if it's like a 170 a small, pound black bear. Yeah. yeah. A featherweight. Could black be bear. a mountain lion. Or mountain lion for sure. A wolf. Yeah. Uh wolf. Uh chimp. chimp. Yeah. Our medium sized animals. So yeah. I think most of those animals are beating the cassowary. But they're gonna get pretty cut up in the process. If a dog yeah. they it seems like dogs kill a lot of them and so do feral pigs. Oh, yeah. So if a dog or a feral pig can kill them, then I think just about any of our other medium-sized animals can kill them too. but they could probably get the primate since they can get people sometimes. well and they've killed a lot of dogs too mm-hmm. um so i think yeah the chimp and the wolf and the mountain lion in some of those fights they're going to end up dying but they're probably going to kill the cassowary they've got a good a diverse set of moves they've yeah. got the headbutt they've got the talon slash and they've got yeah. the Quill jump feathers. on the back 10 times right move. yeah the trampoline <laughs> you know, the trampoline uh, that's what we're calling it you do have to assume though too like a mountain lion for example deer kick really hard too and they have to avoid their hooves so they're pretty good at avoiding the parts of the animal that they know they need to avoid so i think most of our other animals are killing the cassowary but the cassowary is going to come out with a, a v every once in a while okay yeah hmm. Do cool. people Not say a, that? A Come w. out with the V. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's it's, gonna, it's, it's a weird a yeah. V. <laughs> but I like a victory. It. Yeah. It'll catch on, I'm yeah, sure. Sure. Uh all right. So our next category, what would Mike and Jeff do when attacked by a cassowary? And I did look oh. up what you're actually supposed to do. So naturally I'm gonna choose the most insensitive story. Let's hear it. The, the kid who got his testicles. Oh, oh, okay. You know what? That I'm happened in nineteen twenty six. So Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to say, if I died that way, I'd want like a full decapitation. Because in Harry Potter, nearly headless Nick is always complaining about how they won't let him into like the decapitated head club. Okay. So like, I just wouldn't want a slit throat. You know those are books, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you're... What you would do in in the scenario is you would die by decapitation. Yes. You wouldn't try to like get away or protect yourself. No. You're just going to fall to your knees and say, cut my whole head off. (laughs) Draw a little perforated line across. So I'm not going to do that. Okay. Uh, I'm going after what I envision the animal's weakness or weakest point to be is get my hands around its scrawny little bird neck. Okay. And just shake it. It's going to kick you. (laughs) So I've actually seen some videos where they they try and grab it and it rears back. They kind of like jump backwards as they kick. So that'd be that'd be probably okay. the worst thing. Well, never mind. Jeff's is the worst <laughs> thing. Yours is probably the could second. Could you hop on its back like an oh, ostrich? Yeah. You could try. That's better than Has what Has anyone you... ever rode one? I don't know. Probably. We really okay. struck out this time, Jeff. Uh, so I the, most, <laughs> the most important thing, first of all, is you should never feed these animals. You shouldn't feed any wild animal. Because what it, food conditioning, what it does is it creates, like Jeff said, this this idea in the animal that's like, oh, if I interact with this thing, food comes out, you know. And for a cassowary, 
that's a bad deal because they might think if I'm aggressive with it, they're going to throw food at me or whatever. And once the food stops, they might get angry and want more. So you don't want to feed them. If you see a cassowary, don't approach it. Don't try and get close to it. They're beautiful animals. Obviously, you're going to want to take photos or whatever. Get a longer lens and take a photo from a distance. But the guy that wrote those papers, Christopher Coffrin, he suggests don't crouch down or curl into a ball when you're confronted by a cassowary because that puts your head and vital organs in their striking range. He says you should remain standing, move behind a tree, or quickly move away without turning your back. And he also said don't leave big piles of fruit around in cassowary territory. So you <laughs> people it. that are out there leaving big piles of fruit <laughs> in, You're in northeastern Australia, stop it. Yeah, that's what you've been um, doing wrong. That is my second answer for what... <laughs> what to do is have a big pile of fruit. <laughs> yeah. So that would have been wrong. Well, the apple thing worked for that one guy. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's do some listener questions. Okay. From Norma Rockwell 11. Oh, we've done one of their questions before. Yep. Yeah. Great art. I love your work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that scared you, but you did it anyway. Something crawling into that bear den. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the 80 foot one. We talked about it on our Patreon mini episode, but. That was one of the scariest things that I've ever had to force myself to do. Yeah, that was very, very scary. Yeah. Mike? What was the question? Sorry, it kind of came and went. Something that scared you, but you did anyway. Oh, uh, one of those big, when I was really little, there was a big, you know, that ride that they set up sometimes just random places where they they pull you up on the cable and you swing down. Yeah, I didn't want to do that, but I had to because peer pressure. Okay. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the arch swing in southern Utah. I think I like mentioned it real quick once, but basically it's like a desert arch. Corona arch, right? Yeah, Corona arch in Moab. And my friends like built a rope swing that you like jump off one side of the arch and swing through it. Mm -hmm. And that was just really scary. All right. From Tasha Barivnov. What's your best spider encounter story? So I posted a photo of mine probably, but I was in Taiwan and me and some friends were hiking through the jungle there. And there's these really big banana spiders or they're like golden. There's some type of orb weaver, but they're the really big ones that you see in nests or in um, webs that are just like spread out in the middle. And we had seen them all over, but I was walking and I almost walked into this one that was bigger than my palm. And it was just so big. And again, there's a photo on our Instagram if you want to catch it out or check it out. Catch it out. (laughs) Uh, It's the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. And I truly almost completely walked into it. So that was and then we actually ended up. You think it would have bit you? No, you know, their bite is supposed to be just kind of like a bee sting. It's not that bad. Mm. And I doubt it would have bit me. They're not very aggressive spiders, but I don't want a spider that big on my face. Yeah. I mean, it would have covered my entire face. It's like the worst feeling to just be walking and have like a full spider web hit you in the face. Yeah. I don't love that. So that was my, that was my most intense spider experience. Mike, can you think of any? I saw a black widow once. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Pretty scary. TV, yeah. I actually, <laughs> it was scary, but more, I mean, curiosity got the better of us and we yeah. just looked at it for a little bit. Yeah. 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 I feel like when I see black widows, like for like two seconds, I'm a little like spooked. Yeah. yeah. I always wanted one for a, like a, in a we cage had one I, for yeah. a pet for a little, for a little bit. bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. From Tyler J. Larson. What is the coolest thing non-animal you guys have found while out in the field? Coolest non-animal? Yeah. 
coolest thing non-animal. Yeah. So, like, for you, I was thinking it's probably, like, the Northern Lights, right? You yeah. found those? What? Oh, thanks for doing that. <laughs> yeah, I went those to are really cool. found the Northern Lights. <laughs> I think he means, like, an item or, okay. like, an object. I found when I, <laughs> when I was in Africa, I found this crystal that looked like it has, like, it, a teeth structure all around it. It looks like teeth. And it was just this really beautiful, cool crystal. Um, that might be it. I'm trying to think for something else. I love collecting rocks. I found a rock that looks just like Montana once. That might be it. Okay. I don't know. Oh yeah, in glacier. Yeah, like a big rock. How I found a rock that looked like uh, Illinois once. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I when we lived in Nevada, every so often you'd just stumble across an arrowhead. Yeah, that was always fun. Yeah. Jeff, what's yours like? Uh, a meteor shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gravity. Well, I was thinking in the field, so I was thinking of us working in the field at Bryce. So maybe yeah. I misinterpreted. Well, I think it. he just mean yeah. I mean because I was thinking of that view, the Pink Cliffs view that I found. Okay, yeah, really great viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say the crystal then because I was working in the field when I found that. Okay, cool. Good, um, good question. Uh, interesting interpretation <laughs> by Jack. Okay, from Jiminy Frickett. <laughs> That's the best username so far. <laughs> What's the cutest animal you've heard of that's intentionally killed a human? Huh. It's a good, good question. Jimmy. Yeah, I probably should have prepped you. Yeah, you probably should have. Um, I mean, bears are. I would are probably cute. say panda oh, yeah. bears. Panda. Yeah. I don't, but I don't know if they've intentionally killed anyone. Been, yeah, but like, there's got to be a, bear. There's got to be at least one fatality by pandas. I don't know. A poisonous frog or something, I'm sure, has killed somebody. And those guys are pretty cute. Yeah. Um, right? That's pretty good. They're cute. Yeah. There's I don't of... know if they've intentionally killed someone. Though. Kangaroos are pretty I'm, cute. I'm sure I think kangaroos... grizzly bear was a good answer. Okay. That's fair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into it. I am guessing at some point a panda has killed a human. And that's gonna if that's true, then that's, that's a, mine. That's a yeah. good one. Or maybe just a really cute animal with rabies. Yeah, like a raccoon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. From Casey Cooks, what made you guys want to start a podcast? Um, honestly, I, for me, I've always just been so interested in animal attacks. And I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. And I listen to a lot of true crime ones. And I always just thought, man, someone really should do this for animals. And I thought, oh, I should do this for animals. And yeah. then I, the three of us had always talked about doing a project together and yeah, so it worked out. Yeah. Same realm. I just thought like a animal attack podcast would be cool. Yeah. And I feel like we had the idea for a long time and then finally it's kind of like the pandemic got us to start yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I Why just thought it, it sounded like a really fun idea. I've dabbled in content creation uh, for a few years now and Mike had like a big Twitter thing going for video game reviews for a little bit. <laughs> was it Twitter or YouTube? YouTube is where the stuff was posted. Okay. Yeah, we'll let you guys. I'm not going to shout out the name of it. Okay. We'll let you guys find <laughs> yeah, that you if you can, really need to. You sleuths out there can find his video game reviews. All right. And then we have a Patreon question. Yeah. And this is from Megan. And it says, hey, guys, I'm curious if you've heard of the Sham Sanctuary Black Jaguar <laughs> White Tiger. Sham Sanctuary. Are there other places like this that you think people should be aware of? Boycott, etc. Yeah, it's White I Tiger, don't... Black Jaguar, right? Yeah. 
Um, she had it the other way. Black Jaguar, White Tiger. Okay, yeah. I have heard of it. Uh, what is it? When they first came out, I actually followed them for a minute. It, I, I think the guy lives in Mexico, and I'm pretty sure he's just really wealthy, and he's bought a ton of big cats. Mm. But he markets himself as being a sanctuary and a place for um, like big cats that have been mistreated or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I... Carol Baskins. Yeah, not like Carol Baskins, though, because she doesn't play around with hers. He's much more like Joe Exotic. Oh, okay. He's playing with them. He has celebrities come and take photos with them and stuff. To me, he's exploiting his animals. I don't know how well he treats them or how big their enclosures are or whatever, but it does seem like exploitation to me where it's like, come take photos. I'm going to get billions of followers and make a ton of money from this. Um, I'm sure he loves them. I'm sure he's wild about big cats, but it doesn't seem responsible to me. Yeah, never really is a good situation. Yeah, as far as other ones, there's the internet's full. Instagram especially is full of people. There's like the Antles in South Carolina that were in the Joe Exotic documentary, and I think they're still running their sanctuary, but it's really just a photo op. And then especially when they breed cubs for people to take photos with, that's when they're especially usually pretty heinous, so... Okay. Not a big fan. Most heinous. Yeah. <laughs> I unfollowed him. I followed him for a second and then I was like, oh, this isn't good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it for questions. Cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, we appreciate the questions. Uh, all right. So our next category is how are we messing things up for cassowaries? So cassowaries in their global range, I think I mentioned they live in Papua New Guinea, uh, some of the surrounding, or maybe I didn't say this, some of the surrounding islands and then northeastern Australia. Their global range, they're they're ranked as a species of least concern. Um, oh, good. Which means globally they're doing okay, but in Australia they are endangered. Only twenty percent of their habitat they had in Australia is, is currently around, so they've lost a lot of habitat. And then they also uh, get hit pretty often by cars. Uh, that's one of their main sources of mortality. And then dog attacks and feral pigs also are a big problem for them. So there are actually fewer cassowaries now in Australia than there are giant pandas in China, which I thought was an interesting statistic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's not very many. Not many, not many in Australia, but they are doing pretty well in uh, Papua New Guinea and okay. some of their other places. All right, so our final category, we are switching up a little bit as well. We're also assigning a ranking to this because Jeff just usually says some random number for how much he likes an animal. The whole time. Yeah. There's someone out there that's kept track of Jeff's <laughs> yeah. slowly filling in the chart. <laughs> they have a chart. I'm going to keep going with 1,000 animals. So we are going to say how much we like this animal, and we're going to rank it on a scale of 1 to 10 claws. So uh, I'll go first. Cassowaries are one of my favorite birds. They were the bird I picked in the March Madness tournament. So I'm going to give them 7.5 claws. Oh, out of 10. Okay. Yeah. So this episode's made me really come around hard on the cassowary. Yeah. It's never a fun. You love a bully. Exactly. It's never (laughs) fun when an animal kills. It's sad and it's tragic that that has happened. But I do like it when animals act. Not animalistic because animals. It's not like animals are just a violent kind of presence on planet Earth. But I do like it when animals do kind of push their weight around a little bit and yeah, they're not you know, make us their fight, healthy... not their fight, not flight. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to give them, I think I'll give them a seven, seven. Okay. What is it? Claws? Claws. Tooths yeah. and claws. Well, we'll just go claws to make it easy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a four claws. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. I, I think they're cool. Yeah. 
but like just compared to other animals, I don't like them as much. Okay. Even compared to other birds. When I go to a zoo and they have a cassowary, it's typically one of the animals I'm most excited to see. I would like to see, zoo. yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to rank it like 708. Okay. <laughs> this episode made me like them a lot more. Learning the thing about the seeds and then also the noise that they make. It just yeah, was really yeah. cool. And then the weird sex stuff too was interesting. I really like them. I think, Mike, with your point where you said, you know, anyone that dies by an animal is tragic, totally agree. The 2019 one especially was very tragic to me. It's sad. But it is sad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's it for our cassowary episode. A lot of you have recommended cassowaries for uh, subjects for the podcast, so I hope you guys are happy you got what you want <laughs> now, there you go shut up yeah <laughs> no we'll do we should do another one yeah it's something another cassowary attack yeah, happens we've pretty much hit all of them now <laughs> but if anyone wants to go out there and get hit uh, attacked by a cassowary just leave giant piles of fruit yeah out in yeah, australia exactly. and it's yeah. bound to happen and then go squat down next to them <laughs> all right thanks guys uh we will talk to you soon see you guys see you. bye Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the end, all of you that got here. And a special thank you goes out to all of our new patrons. We just wanted to take a small moment and shout you all out by name, and we hope that you're all enjoying all of the bonus perks and stuff that goes along with your subscription. So, thank you to Justina, Sydney, Michael, Judy, Primatologist Dameron, Louisa, Lily, Celia, Lauren, Felicia, Shell, Hannah, R. Quinn, and Dulce. Thank you again so much. We appreciate all that you do for us. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.